Welcome to the Great Loop Radio Podcast, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA, and today we will be joined by Karen Nettles from the Homeport Crew. Karen's going to help me share some information about a long closure that is about to end on the Illinois Waterway and what that kind of means for everybody out there cruising. We know a lot of our listeners are not in that area and not cruising yet, but we decided to go ahead and put this information out there for everyone because I think it really serves as a good indicator of things that can happen on your loop. Uh, things to be prepared for, and how AGLCA helps our members get through these kinds of situations. So that's our topic today. We'll dive into that in just a moment. First, I want to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Great Loop Yacht Sales, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners and viewers to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. Karen Nettles, welcome back to Great Loop Radio. It's always great to have you here when we have some information we want to share with our members. Yeah, always like to be a part of it so we can give them great information. Yes, exactly. And a topic at hand, Illinois Waterway. So where should we jump into that? Yep, it's certainly a hot topic these days. So why don't we just start with why is the closure taking place? Yeah, and, and for anyone who um, has not been aware, the waterway, three specific locks on the Illinois Waterway, closed on June 1st for scheduled maintenance. Um, we always prefer these kinds of scheduled closures. It's much easier to deal with when we can plan for them than having the locks just, you know, break down unexpectedly. So uh, it's also, of course, ideal that they closed the three at the same time because it only takes one to impede your progress down the waterway. Um, but so the closure started June 1st. 120-day scheduled closure at the uh, Brandon Road, Dresden Island, and Marseilles locks. Those are shortly outside of Chicago, not the very first locks out of Chicago, um, but depending on which way you're coming out of Chicago, it's either the second or the third lock is where the closure is starting. Um, these locks are 100 years old and still operate 24-7, serve a very commercial waterway, and commercial interests, of course, are what keep the country moving with our supplies and goods. And um, the maintenance was needed to ensure there isn't an unplanned closure due to an, a mechanical failure. Um, the Corps of Engineers is who runs these locks. They have very detailed information on exactly what the maintenance they are doing. Most of it, I couldn't even tell you what it actually means because they talk about the project and things that they're doing. Bottom line is no traffic, recreational or commercial, has been able to flow through that area since June 1st, and we're kind of preparing for what happens next as the waterway gets ready to reopen. And speaking of reopening, when is that scheduled to reopen? Uh, the closure is scheduled to end at 6 p.m. on September 30th. So for all intents and purposes, for loopers who prefer not to be traveling at night, the first day of operations is scheduled to be October 1st. As can happen with projects like these, that could still be pushed back. We're sitting here, you know, a little bit more than a week out from that date. I am in regular contact with the uh, director of uh, the chief of the locks and dams division for the Illinois waterway part portion of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and with the chief of operations. Uh, the project is on track. The first and third locks, if you're coming downbound like loopers, uh, it sounds like there's absolutely no question that they will be ready. The one in the middle, Dresden Island, 
demand um, is a little bit behind the others, but they are still projecting an on-time opening. If some of the work isn't completely finished, there may be some intermittent closures down the road, which is not ideal, um, but those are usually shorter term, you know, a few hours here and there so that they can complete a particular task. So all indications sitting here a little bit more than a week from scheduled opening is that it will be a go and it is on track. Um, you know, some cautions to watch there at, at Dresden Island, Lock and Dam, and we will certainly continue to get that information from the Corps of Engineers and pass it to our members. Okay, so now that you said that it is on schedule, so how many looper boats do we anticipate going through when they do open? Yeah, that's kind of the crazy thing. Um, we currently, I think the number as of this morning is up to 287 uh, AGLCA member boats who have filled out a form on our website to say, yes, we are coming through this area in October. The majority of those, about 200 of those 287, are planning to come through in the first half of October. Typically, loopers would be coming through this area in September, um, sometimes as early as late August, sometimes as late as October. Uh, but it's typically kind of a September passage for most loopers to head into the inland rivers. So, you know, the opening is only a couple weeks behind when most loopers would normally come through. But the fact that it's been such a long-term closure, um, anybody who had plans to cruise that maybe are loopers, but they're a little bit off the kind of seasonal path, um, has just been kind of planning their departure for October. And uh, 287 boats is really a, a kind of an unfathomable number when we started this project. That's more looper boats than completed the loop in all of last year. Uh, so the number is higher than anyone anticipated. Um, I have been sharing that information with the Corps of Engineers as well as with the commercial interests on the waterway um, so that they know we're there so that we can kind of all get buy-in buy into a plan on how the commercial traffic as well as the recreational vessels are going to be able to work their way through there. Right. So that's a substantial number of boats. So that's not even including other pleasure craft. What about them? Yeah. And that is really kind of the biggest wild card in this whole plan. We are working to kind of organize our members and we'll talk about that a little bit more, um, but to try and do whatever we can for a smooth passage through there. Um, the wild card is what recreational boats are out there that are not part of AGLCA, are not part of the flotillas we're organizing, and they really kind of have the ability to kind of lead our plan a bit. So um, that is the challenge. I couldn't even render a guess on what that number is. I've actually had a couple of delivery captains um, reach out to me by e email because the Corps of Engineers has been working closely with us and they sent those boats to us and said, see if you can get in on one of their flotillas uh, to help organize it. So I am hopeful that the loopers are the majority of the traffic and I would expect that to be the case, but there is an untold number of other pleasure craft that is looking to head south. So that'll be kind of um, the challenge and what could potentially put a wrench in the works that we've been planning. Right, and then also the big piece of the puzzle is commercial traffic. What is that going to look like? Yeah, commercial traffic, um, it's less of the X factor, if you will, of the other recreational vessels, because we know they're there and we know there are lots of them. Um, as I said, this is a very commercial waterway. Um, those boats are stacking up. They are lining up in queue, ready to go. We, um, as recreational vessels, are kind of the low men on the totem pole, so to speak. We have the lowest priority for lock through. Um, 
And even those commercial craft where there is somewhat of a pecking order, it's often kind of a first come first serve situation because there aren't usually four months worth of, worth of traffic sitting there waiting to go through. So there is some organization going on behind the commercial interest to try and prioritize that traffic, um, commercial traffic on its way south for government purposes, for dredging, for a few other things are gonna be given priority. That's kind of up to them. Um, the good news is that I have an open dialogue at this point with the people organizing those commercial interests. Um, they have shared some insight. Their best guess at this point when that commercial backlog might be cleared is, is kind of somewhere after the first week of open time, um, which is actually good news. It's going to take longer than that to clear the recreational backlog. And once the commercial backlog is, is cleared, it becomes a little bit more business as usual on these waterways. But in the meantime, um, these barges are lining the banks of the river. Uh, they are there, they are waiting, um, and they are something that recreational vessels need to be aware of uh, because while it's not necessarily um, impeding navigation, it's just an extra challenge. It's something you have to be careful of. Um, the commercial interests have asked me to pass along that the shape of some pleasure craft hulls compared to the barges and toes um, as you come through because the waterway is narrowed by the barges on both sides your wake will bounce off of those barges and could be a problem for those behind you so if you're traveling in a group of pleasure craft be aware of that be extra cautious of what your wake bouncing off the barges on both sides of the waterway could be doing to the boats behind you um, so a word of caution there that they asked me to pass along certainly a lot of moving parts and speaking of that is there a history of this type of closure before there is and uh, this is kind of the final step in what the illinois waterway and the corps of engineers along the illinois waterway called a consolidated closure plan and you can google illinois waterway consolidated closure it's been a multi-year process the last lengthy closure was in 2020 um, and aglca helped our members through in that year as well but of course that year was covid so when the closure started in July of 2020, a lot of things were still closed down. We certainly had less boats out there. Um, even had 2020 been a, a quote unquote normal year, we would have had less boats than this out there. Our group was smaller then. Um, but it was a very smooth process. And for anybody who's worried about how late they are leaving Lake Michigan because of this closure, the 2020 closure actually was a month later in the calendar year, still 120 days. But instead of June 1st through September 30th, it was July 1st through October 31st. So the waterway really didn't open until November, a full month later. Um, and boats were able to deal with a little bit colder weather. Facilities are still open. It will be fine even if you are leaving Chicago a little bit later than would otherwise be typical. Um, so I want to kind of ease anyone's fears there. We have an article coming out in the um, October issue of the Great Loop Link e-magazine, which should be around on October 1st, if not a day or two before that. And we've got an article in there that is by um, Sarah Bolin, who was one of our members who did this transit in November of 2020. Um, and kind of this is a, a blog post she wrote back then. Um, and it's really a well-written piece that's going to make hopefully this year's people struggling with this issue realize that it's not insurmountable, that it will in the end be some of your best memories about the Great Loop and you will form some really close friendships with the people that you're traveling with. So that'll be just, you know, something that's coming out just to hopefully ease some minds a little bit as we get ready for this all to happen. 
So before we jump into the next question, let's just take a moment, um, take a quick break and play a message from some of our sponsors. When we come back, we'll continue the discussion on the reopening of the Illinois Waterway. We'll be back in a moment. Port of Aurelia in Ontario, Canada is at the center of your Canadian boater fun and the place you want to stop between the Trent and Severn waterway system to provision or simply enjoy this sunshine city where the weatherman is most often wrong. Whether it's dining, theater, casino, or museums you're after, we have it all and we're the last chance before Georgian Bay for great city fun. At Port of Aurelia, we have everything you need. An alternative to the high cost of brokerage and the hassle and risks of buy owner boat selling YachtX.com makes selling your boat easy, safe, and produces better outcomes. Licensed and bonded, YachtX combines the comfort of professional advisors with the reach of multi-platform marketing and the convenience of web transaction management and escrow, so your experience is second to none. Best of all, with fees of just 1.5% or less, you save 85% or more in selling costs versus traditional brokerage. Ask them about their buyer representation rebates, YachtX rewards referral program, and looper discounts. Voters come first at yachtx.com. We're back on the radio podcast. Today we are talking about the reopening of the Illinois Waterway, which is set to happen on October 1st after a 120-day closure of three locks there. We're chatting with Karen Nettles from the Home Port Crew. Um, Karen, what's next? What else should, should we get out there as information for those listening? Well, I think we need to cover what we're doing, AGLCA is doing for members to get through the locks. So why don't we get start there? Yeah, let's do that. And again, you know, we have been communicating this with the members who have signed up to be part of these flotillas at 287 as of today. Um, and we actually have done a webinar for them. Uh, but we decided this is probably useful information to share. So those coming behind them in future years, if we're dealing with a similar closure on this waterway or another waterway, it's kind of good information to know how something like this gets organized and how it happens. So um, as I've mentioned, we have, we started by asking our members kind of in a more general idea, you know, what are your plans? Are you planning to go through as soon as possible? Do you want to wait a week for the traffic to clear things like that? And that's when we first kind of um, got an inclination that we were going to have close to 300 boats out there. So we followed that up with a survey for more specific planning, we asked everybody for their first three choices of dates for when they would like to go through. And we organized our members into groups of 16 as a maximum boats. Um, that is a manageable number to get through the locks. It was expected to be a number that could get through the locks, <laughs> excuse me, with some other pleasure craft that might be into the mix. Um, so flotillas of 16 boats. We have those flotillas full for the first uh, 17 or so days of the opening. After that, it trails off pretty substantially. So some later in the month, there will be much more room for other boats to join and come through. Um, we have uh, volunteer flotilla captains or flotilla leaders for each group that will communicate with the locks and kind of serve to guide our members through these reopened locks uh, to hopefully make the process as seamless and expeditious as possible. That said, we do have to be prepared for lengthy waits. Um, as I mentioned, PleasureCraft has the lowest priority going through locks. That said, uh, the lock staff and the commercial operators really don't want a bunch of PleasureCraft stuck out there overnight. They also, frankly, would like us to get out of their way. <laughs> um, so they have worked with AGLCA to kind of organize a time for our boats to get through. Um, not quite a schedule. Uh, we are not, you know, guaranteed a time, but uh, our 
flotilla leaders will work with the lock masters for the best time to show up at their lock, which allows us to do, you know, day of kind of night before, not long range, um, but allows our boats to remain at a safe harbor, whether it's a marina or an anchorage, until it's time to head to the lock for, you know, hopefully a shorter wait when they arrive. Uh, so that grouping and the fact that we have been able to um, kind of work together with the Corps of Engineers and with the commercial interests to kind of get buy-in on our plan um, to hopefully kind of ease the burden all the way around. It hopefully we'll get our members through a little bit faster. It hopefully has let the commercial interests kind of know where there would be a stop in commercial traffic for a lockage of recreational vessels. Um, it just gives everybody a little bit more of an opportunity to keep the waterway moving. Um, without this, it would be a, a little bit more chaotic, I would say. Um, you know, and there could be chances that recreational vessels would wait days if they stuck to the, you know, the pecking order, so to speak, where pleasure craft are absolutely last. Um, so we are hopeful it has worked in the past. This is the same kind of thing we did in 2020 with the extended closure there. There was also a closure in 2019 that was lengthy. Um, and we've, you know, we've used this process before and it has worked very well. Our members appreciate having some guidance and having some, you know, um, peace of mind that their wait hopefully will be shortened. And the lock staff appreciates not having pleasure craft show up one by one throughout the day because they will not be able to be locked through like that. It's much more efficient for them to lock through together. And if they're showing up one by one throughout the day, it gets more and more challenging to have them wait in safe places that where they're out of the way of the enormous barges coming out or into the lock. So it's kind of an everybody wins situation by trying to work together. And that's exactly what we're doing. So I, uh, you know, hugely appreciate particularly since our number is so large, the volunteer flotilla leaders that I have been working with to help them understand the process and help them pass that along to their flotilla members, because that lets me communicate with 20 or 25 of our members instead of almost 300. Um, and each flotilla is going to have slightly different needs as the commercial traffic changes and as the other recreational vessels out there, uh, once we have more insight into that. So the process is working. Um, as I said, it's been a lengthy closure and kind of, uh, not to be overly dramatic, but an unprecedented number of loopers out there. So it will have its challenges. I certainly don't want to sugarcoat it. It will not be an easy transit of the Illinois Waterway in the first two weeks of October for, for pleasure craft. But this is giving them, you know, a little bit more peace of mind that there is an organized effort to get them through and hopefully minimize the wait time at the locks. Um, so is there anything else that members can expect when the waterway reopens and the flotilla groups and commercial traffic start going through? Um, you know, we just want them to be prepared that, as I said, it won't necessarily be an easy passage. There may be a possibility of arrival at their intended marina after dark. Um, but frankly, in, in a normal, whatever that is, but in a normal year, it's really common for looper boats to arrive uh below the Marseille's lock um, after dark. It's just, it's a place where there are often delays. It's something we need to be prepared for. Most loopers really try to avoid uh, cruising after dark. This is just an area where the facilities and the locks, sometimes it ends up happening, whether you're arriving late um, or whether you have to actually leave before dawn to you know meet an expected lock through time. So be prepared for it. If you're in a group, it is not quite as challenging. Um, 
and 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 that's probably the best advice I can really give about this piece is just you know consider the options and be prepared. Yeah, that's the best thing you can do. Um, speaking of being prepared, there's a lot going to like you've already said. There's going to be a lot of boats out of there out going through the locks at one time. So are there some other options boaters can consider? Well, there is no alternate waterway through here. If there was, a lot of people would have already probably been off of Lake Michigan. Um, a couple of options for boats of the right size. There are opportunities to have your boat pulled out of the water and trucked around the closure. Or if it's a trailerable boat, that becomes even easier. In situations like this, I've been asked this a lot, but AGLCA does not count that against you in terms of earning your gold burgee and completing the loop. As long as you choose to, you know, portage has, is an age-old concept where if waterways weren't connected, you took the boat out of the water. In the old days, you carried it <laughs> or in some other way transported it to the body of water that you wanted to get to that wasn't connected. It's really not that different. Um, but we do ask that you keep that to a minimum, meaning don't pull the boat out in Chicago and drop it back in in St. Louis just because you don't feel like doing the Illinois waterway. Pull it out and put it back in at the closest possible spot to the closure. Um, but we have long recognized that as a viable way to get around a waterway closure um, as long as you skip the minimum amount of waterway. So that's one option. The other option, if somebody really just doesn't want to deal with the, the traffic, um, there is nothing wrong with waiting for this to settle down. As I said, the second half of the month has far fewer looper boats trying to get through than the first half. Uh, so you will most likely have a much easier time of it at that point. Um, I know people worry about the weather in Lake Michigan. You don't have to be out cruising on Lake Michigan into October if the weather is bad. You can go to a safe harbor in Chicago in um, Hammond, Indiana um, is a sponsor of ours. There's a large marina there. I think they have 100 looper reservations into October. Um, so you can put the boat somewhere without having to worry about weather and then wait for the traffic to die down. And that's a perfectly viable option as well. The facilities are still open as you move down the river. They've been missing business for 120 days as well. So they're eager to have people come by. So they will be expecting latecomers this season. So if, you know, this kind of extra challenge is just not what you're up for, just give it a couple of weeks and you'll have a much easier time. Okay. Well, there are some options. So it's good to know. Um, where can people go to get more information to stay up to date with what's going on with the, the locks and when they reopen and what's going on as they, as traffic flows through? Yeah, I would say um, the best way to stay up to date is our website uh, our flotillas are being fed information on a regular basis. If you're part of a flotilla and missed the webinar we did on Thursday evening, um, you do have access to that through the website. Um, and we're happy to field any questions. We really are eager to get this uh, finished. <laughs> and I know there's a lot of anxiety about it. So we are really doing everything we can to help folks ease some of that anxiety and provide whatever information is needed. So greatloop.org is a great place uh, to go for more information on that. Good. Um, is there any other information you'd like to give, you know, something that can ease people's minds from previous closures that can help them? Yeah, I just want to reiterate kind of what I said about the 2020 closure, but there have been other closures on the waterways as well that were unplanned and therefore even more challenging to deal with. Eventually, everybody gets through, you know, the biggest difference this year is just the sheer numbers. Um, but I truly can tell you that the closures are what end up, we talk a lot about kind of the, the looper bond and the, the lifelong friendships that form. 
a lot of those are what come out of these challenges and working with the rest of your flotilla to get everybody through uh, tends to bring out the best in people instead of the worst. You know, so much in, in our society these days, when something becomes stressful, it becomes every man for themselves and it, you know, just becomes a worse situation. For some reason, that doesn't seem to happen on the water amongst loopers. Um, these flotillas will work together. Um, and these challenges, and I've said it before on here, um, so the challenges are part of what makes the loop an accomplishment. If it were easy all the way around, it you would not have that sense of accomplishment when you finish it. Um, these will be the stories you tell your family. They'll be the stories you share at Docktails. Um, I've seen it happen for years when there are closures. Um, and the stories of everybody helping each other out are really what inspires others to do this. So um, take a breath. <laughs> I know there's a lot of anxiety out there. Um, but everyone will get through. And if we work together, everyone will get through as quickly as possible and safely. And, and doing it safely is really the key there. So working together also helps to increase that um, safety in numbers, particularly if you're out there after dark, um, safety and passing that information along. As our flotillas go through, um, the one that goes through on October 1st, if all goes well, will have information on how that went to pass to the next flotilla so that they can use that to their advantage as they're working their way through. So it's just another example of like the, the Looper network really working well together. And it's one of the things that uh, membership in AGLCA gets for you. So um, it'll, be, it'll be a challenging few weeks, but we'll all be on the other side. Um, this time next month, we'll be talking about hopefully um, what a great experience it was and the friendships we formed. So um, but again, greatloop.org is our website. Um, that's where you can get information. If you have specific questions, info at greatloop.org is our general email box. That goes to Julie, our member services person, and she either answers them or kind of triages them and sends them to Karen or me, depending on who has the best information to answer that question. So um, feel free to re reach out to us. We are always happy to help. Oh, glad to have been a part of this today and like I said I think people just need to be patient and need to go with the flow literally and figuratively and all <laughs> go well absolutely that's what it's all about remember that it is pleasure boating and when it starts to you know when your outlook starts to change um it's probably time for a little bit of a break for a little bit of a recheck remember that you're out there for fun and as Karen very aptly put just go with the flow and it, it will be okay. But we are again, here to help and we're happy to do so. So um, details to everybody today. And um, to all of you who have watched or listened today, thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Great Loop Radio podcast. Until then, safe cruising. <laughs>